As has already been said, I want to thank you for joining us online. I saw that Rob and Lisa, Gwen and Greg, some of you are joining us, Marsha and Vicki, and so we're thankful that you're there. And everyone else in YouTube land and Facebook land, thanks for joining us at LCC. And again, we're glad that you're here in this place. Um, I'm pretty sure digital stuff is here to stay, but I look forward to the time when more and more people can keep gathering with us. And until that, uh, we'll keep worshiping through a distance and trying to love each other uh, from a distance. Uh, Bette Midler, did she sing that, by the way? That's my random ADD mind going off from a distance. Anyway, sorry. I won't sing today. Um, thankful for that. Anyway, uh, as we prepare to wrap up uh, our King Jesus study, uh, we are moving into that final week today. And, and throughout the series, what we've done is we've highlighted some of the gifts that God has given each of you. Uh, we've done a better job, I think, in this message series of highlighting some of the diversity and how God has wired us and the way we can express ourselves artistically, which there's a huge, vast uh, uh, variety that, that, can, that can happen there. Um, what I hope to do, even before we show some pictures in a moment of what was submitted this week, is I want to learn from this. I, I don't know what it's going to look like going forward. I don't think it'll look like this every teaching series. But I want to find a way to use uh, the way God's made you and allow you to express that uh, through worship. Um, one of the things that we look at when we study church history is that when God's people are able to express themselves with the fullness of kind of the way he's wired us, uh, the church is better, whether that's the, the Sistine Chapel uh, or whether that's beautiful songs that have been written. I mean, everything that we're singing on a Sunday morning is someone that God has gifted to write and to share. And I just want to be able to celebrate that more. And so hopefully we'll learn from this as we go forward. Here's a few things that were submitted this week. Um, the first is a picture uh, by a little six-year-old as she was thinking about King Jesus. And I thought, that's an incredible drawing and painting or marker for a six-year-old. The next one is uh, one of our elders and his wives did this cool paint pour thing that I just think just draws you in. And then the final were just kind of a collage of things that were submitted as people were out and about. Someone was remodeling a home and they wrote in the dust, King Jesus. Someone else, I'm envious, was on a golf course and they took tees and golf balls and put King Jesus. And I'll be honest, I don't know what the other one is. It's crackers and something, but I know it says King Jesus, so I'm trusting that it was good and digested well. Um, but just thank you for sharing those things, and I, I hope we'll find a way to kind of maybe montage some of this for those of you that are just joining us at LCC. Maybe this is your first time uh, that you can see some of the things that have been expressed over the last seven weeks as we think about King Jesus one of the things that I loved hearing from you was just thinking about how to think of King Jesus throughout the week in some of these creative ways was super helpful and allowed you to engage with it day after day. And so I want to capitalize uh, on that. As we move into this final thing, though, uh, this final day, uh, I want you to, to, to think with me. And I know that sometimes we as people don't like to think. We just want someone to tell us. We just want to listen. We just want to consume. But I want you to think with me for a few moments here. I want you to reflect on your life, short or long, and try to, to, to get a memory of a time when you were facing something difficult and something hard and someone walked alongside of you and was with you in the midst of that. And take it a step further. I want you to think of a time when, when you were going through a difficulty, a challenge, maybe it's a tragedy. I mean, difficulty comes in all shapes and sizes. And someone was willing 
to be with you and their presence with you enabled you to persevere, endure, and overcome. So just try to think of a time in your life. Uh, maybe you think of a time when, when, when maybe you were a toddler and, and you were scared of the dark. Um, complete disclosure, and I'm so secure with it. I'll wear a pink shirt and I will put nightlights in my house, okay? I, I don't like the dark. Um, but maybe you were a toddler and you didn't like the dark and, and you remember coming to that caregiver, the older sibling, that parent, that grandparent, and just ask them to go with you. Will you go with me? It's dark. And maybe you remember that one who loves you grabbing you by the hand and something happened in you in that moment. There was a strength that came to you because they went with you into the darkness. Or maybe a little bit later in life, you can remember a time going to the doctor and you were scared. Maybe it was to get a shot. Uh, and maybe it wasn't when you were a child. Maybe it was when you were an adult and you had to get a vaccine. Um, but you can remember going in and being scared and wondering about the needle and you're asking someone to shield your eyes or to hold your hand or... Or maybe you were a teenager and you had to get your wisdom teeth pulled and you were so scared to go do it, but you wanted someone to be with you. Or maybe you were giving birth to a child and you wanted that husband, that mother, that sister, that midwife to hold your hand and to help you and to give you strength in the midst of that. When was some time when you faced something difficult, but someone came alongside of you and their presence helped you overcome, endure, persevere, see it through? Uh, maybe for some of you, that was a doctor's office. Um, you went for your routine physical and they did the blood work and they found something and they wanted you to do a scan and, and you're going back to get the results and you were just scared and you wanted someone to be with you or maybe those scans showed something you needed treatment for, chemotherapy, radiation, and you wanted someone to be with you. This really fun lady, when um, first church I ever served at, Kernersville, North Carolina, her name was Monita Westmoreland. And Monita just wanted someone to go with her to chemo. And I'll be honest, as a 22-year-old, like, I felt like I just got the taking out the trash duty the first time this happened. Uh, the senior minister said, hey, Craig, I need you to take Monita to chemo. Um, and so I went with Monita to chemo. And you should see the little giddy-up that came to her step when this little 22-year-old was sitting next to this small woman as they're putting hoses in her and cycling all that stuff through, whatever they do with chemo. And um, it meant a lot to her to have someone with her. When have you experienced that? Um, maybe you've got someone who's come alongside of you. Uh, maybe you struggle with depression or anxiety or another mental health issue, and there's someone who has said, listen, that doesn't scare me. I'll help you get out of bed in the morning. I'll call you to see how you're doing. And that person has just given you the strength to keep going. I know that maybe in a room this size and the audience online, there's some of you that say, listen, I've never had someone enter into my hurt before. And if that's you, I, I am so sorry for you. But, but I would encourage you to maybe think more broadly, expand it beyond family. I know that some of you don't have families. Um, but when has someone just taken interest in you and helped you and them coming alongside you has helped you? And if you, if you haven't ever had that as you think about your life, I'm guessing you can identify with the desire for it, right? Like wanting to have someone enter into your pain and be with you. As we think about this final week of King Jesus, we have shared a lot of things. 
Uh, we, we've looked at the glory and the majesty and the grandeur of what it means that Jesus is king, that God is king. We, we, we've seen one of the things I've loved about this series we've been able to trace many weeks from beginning of God's story pointing towards the end of God's story and showing how God is the same. And he's this king and he's grand. And, and with that, we've discovered that it means I've got to make a choice. Will I bend the knee to King Jesus or will I, will I ignore that rule? And if I choose to bend the knee to King Jesus, what does that look like? And so the last few weeks, I think this is our fifth week in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, we've seen this just simple framework, the essence of what it looks like to live for King Jesus. That it means surrendering to his authority. There in Matthew 28, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. We've seen that's embracing the mission of King Jesus. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. The mission of King Jesus is to make disciples who make disciples. How do we do it? We, we immerse ourselves in the life of King Jesus to baptize them in the name of the Father and the name of the Son and the name of the Holy Spirit. And we teach them to obey everything that he's commanded us. As we immerse ourselves in his life, we help other people immerse their, themselves in his life. As we obey, we help other people obey. And as I've heard your, your voice, as, as you've called me, as you've emailed, as we've had conversations, as you've told me stories of others that you know, I know that for many of you, this has been kind of like a, a great refresh for your faith. There's something that's happened for you in, in this time where it's kind of ignited you, and you're like, wait a second, like, like, I am all for Jesus like I've never been before. But even as you think that, and even as you're encouraged, and even as you say it, if you're like me, you're like, holy cow. Like a lot of this is stuff I kind of already knew, but I realized how far out of alignment I am. And so with that comes a challenge. And that can kind of feel overwhelming. And maybe you're looking at life and you're like, well, how am I gonna surrender things to the authority of King Jesus when it's hard? How am I going to make disciples? How am I going to immerse myself in his life? How am I going to obey? Wouldn't it be great if someone would help us and come along with us? Here's what I'm guessing, that you're not the first to ask that question. I'm not the first to ask that question. How do I know that? Because Jesus addresses it in that very great commission of Matthew 28, 18 through 20. At the end of Matthew 28, 20, he says this. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is not a passive declaration. This is not about the passive presence of Jesus, like, yeah, I'm with you. No, this is in direct correlation to what has preceded it. As he challenges them, as he says, surrender to me, as he says, embrace my mission, as he says, immerse yourself in my life, as he says, obey me, he says, guess what? And I'm not gonna leave you to do it alone. And so what if we can be the disciples? What if we can live for King Jesus like we, we want to? And it's because he's with us in that. How encouraging would that be? And I know even as I say that, some of us are like, well, Craig, that sounds so hallmarky. Like he challenges us to great things and then he's with us. Like tie a bow on that. And like, hey, this is a Disney movie. Like it's all perfect ending. I don't want you to associate God's goodness and his presence with being something that can't be true and be real for you. Because it's not a hallmark experience. It's a historical reality that's been experienced by men and women, young and old, throughout the story of God working in the lives of humanity. And so before we unpack the words of chapter 28, verse 20, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age, I want you to see the weight 
and the story and the witness that precedes that that's consistent. Because God's MO is that he will join his people and he will be with them and he will enable them and he will equip them and he will empower them for what he calls them to. Well, we can go back to Moses as an example. If you're not familiar with Moses, uh, Moses was this incredible leader that God used to rescue his people from Egypt and lead them through a trying time in the wilderness and the desert. M Moses was a reluctant leader. His story is told primarily in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, uh, first few books of our Bible following Genesis. If that name's new to you, I'd encourage you to check out his story. Likely, even if you don't know much about him, you've heard him before, of him before. But when we pick up Moses' story in Exodus chapter three, the brief uh, recap of what's happened is God's people have found themselves no longer in a position of uh, influence and no longer a treasured people. They have become slaves in Egypt. And so essentially, the whole economy in ancient Egypt is propped up by the slavery of God's people. So Egypt is making a name for itself all throughout the world. It's probably the most powerful, one of the greatest empires in the entire world in that time. And it's all propped up on the backs of God's people. And, and, and Pharaoh just makes it hard for them. Moses, meanwhile, was in a position of prominence in Pharaoh's palace, but he gets upset at the injustice that's happening towards his people. And he decides to take matters into his own hands. Literally, he kills a man and so now Moses is on the run. He's committed a felony. He's wanted for murder. He's, he's, he's living uh, far from Egypt. Moses ends up working for his father-in-law, Jethro. If you've ever been there when you no longer can provide for your family one way, and so you have to sheepishly go to your father-in-law and say, hey, can, can you give me a job? I've actually had to do that. Um, you know how hard it can be. And so here's Moses shepherding sheep for his father-in-law. As he's shepherding them one day, he sees this bush that's on fire, but something peculiar is happening. It's not being burned. And suddenly the voice of God comes from the bush. And he tells Moses, uh, you're gonna go to Egypt. Uh, you're gonna set my people free. You're gonna rescue them. You're gonna go to Pharaoh, you know, the one that wants you for murder. And you're gonna tell him, by the way, your whole uh, workforce is, is leaving. You can imagine Moses doesn't think that that's possible. Verse 11 tells us of chapter three, Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God essentially responds, Moses, it's not about who you are, it's about who I am. And verse 12 says this, God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Can you imagine in that moment being Moses saying, I don't think I can do this. I hear what you're calling me to. I hear this mission. It's grand. It's big. It's great. But I can't do it. And, and God says, guess what? I'm going to be with you. You're not going to be alone in that. But I think a lot of us like to think, well, that would be enough for me. Well, maybe it wouldn't because it wasn't enough for Moses. Moses is like, okay, okay, you're going to be with me. But like, how do I tell them who sent me? Well, here's my name. But, but how, how, how will they know that you have that kind of power? 
And maybe you recall what happens in, in chapter four as God displays his power for Moses. It's that, that crazy moment where he's like, hey, take your staff, throw it down, and it becomes a snake. Now pick it back up again. He picks it back up and put your hand in your cloak. Ooh, leprosy, and he puts it back in, and then it's gone, right? I mean, that's, that's the story of, of Exodus chapter four, and, and God says, I, I'm the God. I'm gonna, I'm gonna help you. And, and when Moses again says, but, but I can't, here's what God says in verse 12. Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. I will help you. God says, here's the mission. I'm not gonna leave you alone. I'm not gonna abandon you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna join you in this. Like, this is the story of how God operates. So before we ever get to Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, and when you see that surely I am with you to the end of the age, like, we have to understand this is how God has always worked. He always comes alongside his people. He is always with them and present with them, enables them and equips them and empowers them. And if it's not enough, that's not enough for you, look at the end of Moses' life. When, when he dies and, and Joshua takes over, Joshua chapter one, can, can you imagine filling in for the great Moses? I can't. Like, here's a guy who, for 40 years, led God's people through the wilderness. Um, he could hit a rock with a staff and water, like, was enough to quench the thirst of all the people. He, he went up on the mountain, and he met with God there, and, and God's presence descends, and he comes down with these tablets engraved by God. Like, oh, that's pretty incredible. Imagine being Joshua, thinking back, and being a kid his time as a kid and remembering that time when Pharaoh's army, the dust is coming as they chariots and warriors move towards them and they're up against the sea and he watched Moses lift out his hands and the staff and, and God parted the waters. Imagine being Joshua whose father probably said one morning, hey, will you go get our food for us? Well, what do you mean, Dad? Well, just go scrape the, the manna off the ground. Go pick up some quail. Like he, he had seen God do great things as God was with Moses. And listen to God's encouragement back to Joshua. As Moses is gone and it's his turn to lead, Joshua chapter one, verse five. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I can just hear Joshua saying, God, but how can I? How can I fill those sandals? Well, as I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. And he even doubles down in verse nine. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Why? Because the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And we could go to others. I mean, men and women throughout the story of God's people have seen God enable them, empower them, and equip them because that's just who he is. He's a God who draws near and he's a God who comes close and he's a God who empowers and enables and equips David came to mind as I prepared this week. I think of David who, if you read the Psalms, you see just a wide variety of human emotion and expression. Uh, a man who at times was trapped, a man at times who was despairing, despondent, depressed, a man who was elated, 
And each of the Psalms points back to, yet God, you're here, you're listening. The very expression of a Psalm, what does that, what does that include? It includes an understanding that I'm writing this to one who's with me, who listens to me, who hears me. Think about David's words as he prepared to fight Goliath. A bunch of cowards in Israel would not come to the challenge. And so David steps up and he speaks about how God delivered him from the bear, how God rescued him from the lion, and the same way God would rescue him from the hands of that Philistine. He knew he could count on God's presence. He was with him. This is who he is. And I could tell you the story of Elijah. And maybe you heard the story of him on, on Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal are trying to invoke their false god to bring fire down on the offering and nothing happens. And he mocks them and he, uh, he, he kind of uh, trash talks them a little bit. And then, and then he prays and, and God sends down fire and it consumes the whole offering, including the water surrounding, the trough surrounding the offering. And people are like, holy cow, God is incredible. He was with him. But that pales in comparison to me to what follows in the hours, probably days afterwards, when after seeing God display his glory and be so present, to be so powerful, Elijah's in the wilderness and he gets word that Jezebel's trying to find him to kill him. He's depressed, he's doubting, and yet there's God who causes a broom tree to grow and give him shade in the sun. And there's a God who through his angel would feed him. And there's a God when he draws him back out to the mountain and Elijah's hiding in a cave just wanting God to show up. A wind comes and it's so powerful it shatters the rocks around him. And then an earthquake shakes the mountain he's hiding in. And then fire falls from heaven and the story of scripture tells us that God wasn't in the wind and he wasn't in the quake and he wasn't in the fire. But what followed was a whisper. God showing and God declaring, I'm here. He says, what are you doing, Elijah? And Elijah that moment knew that God was with him. He was with him on the mountain. He was with him now in the cave. He, he was with him. This is the story of who our God is. But, but, but the beauty of, of who God is, it, it didn't stop with those things. When you look at the story of Matthew's gospel, where we have those words in Matthew 28, 20, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Do you know how Matthew's story of Jesus' life begins? This is the story of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David. This is the story of Jesus, the king, and he, he traces the royal lineage of Jesus from the line of David. And then we get to an angelic pronouncement. And it tells us that when this Jesus comes, he will be called Emmanuel. And what does Emmanuel mean? God with us. So here's Matthew as he tells the story of Jesus. Matthew who, who, who watched Jesus' life unfold. And, and saw what it was like to have God living with man, God being there to empower, to equip. I mean, here's Matthew, and I don't want to spoil it. Philip's going to be preaching on Matthew's life some next week. Matthew who, who tasted it and felt it. Matthew who was separated from his people because of his profession. He knew what it was like to have Jesus with him. 
And he tells us this is who he is. He's Emmanuel. He's God with us. And he he tells the story of how all that comes to bear in Jesus' life. And then he ends with the encouragement that he himself received from Jesus. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. This is who he is. And so you hear the challenge of the Great Commission, which is probably a grand commission, which is really a co-mission. We're in it with him. And he says, listen, you want to surrender to my authority? You want to embrace my mission? You want to immerse yourself in my life? You want to obey me? Guess how you're going to do it? I'm going with you. There's this phrase I see on some of your social media posts from time to time, and I won't call you out because you're in here. Um, It says, uh, you call people your ride or die. Some of you use that. You'll talk about a hard thing you went through, maybe a difficulty in in, in your marriage or maybe a difficulty uh, with a health battle or something else, and you'll say, hey, shout out to my ride or die, and you'll you'll hashtag them or at them or whatever it is, and you'll say, this is who it is. This is someone who's with me, right? That's what that means. You're my ride or die. You're with me. You will stay with me. You will be with me. You will die with me. Like, you aren't going anywhere. Do we understand that the creator of the universe is the best and the greatest ride or die. He is with us. And really, he's even more than that, isn't he? Because not only will he ride with us, but he died for us so we can keep on going. That's who he is. You can't change that. And so how will we be disciples like Matthew and Peter and John and the others who live for King Jesus, it will be because we'll endure the challenge, we'll persevere, we'll overcome, we'll we'll make it through the dark because he's with us. He's with us. How will you surrender to his authority when every inclination of your selfish ambition says to do something else? How will you surrender to his authority when the tide of culture is like a rip current? It's because you, moment by moment, will say to him, I know you're with me, help me. How will you embrace his mission? How will you make disciples to make disciples? How will you walk across the room? How will you have the conversation? How will you have the courage to to invest in somebody else? For those of you that are extroverts, you're like, hey, that's no big deal. But for those of you that are introverts, for those of you that have some social anxiety, that's like, oh my goodness, I could never do that. And you'll do it because you look to him and say, God, I can't do this alone, but you're with me. Will you help me? Will you give me the words to say? Will you give me the courage to pick up the phone? Will you, will you give me the courage to walk across the street or to walk next door, or to, to, to go to that cubicle and start the conversation or to open my mouth in the break room? And, and he'll, he'll help you because he's with you. How, how will you immerse yourself in his life? How will you allow him to transform your thinking and your speech and your, 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 your deeds and your, the way you live and the way you act? It'll come because he's with you. How will you help others immerse themselves in his life? It'll be because he's with you. How will you obey his commands? And and let's be honest for a moment. None of us are obeying all of his commands, are we? For all of us, there are some things we're better at obeying than others. And if we'll pause for a moment from trying to hold everybody else to our standards and the things that we do well and just realize that we're all broken and striving to figure out how to follow King Jesus we would get to the place where when I struggle to listen, I struggle to trust him at his word, that I can just say, Lord, I need you to help me. And you will, 
do it and he'll help you because he's with you. This is who he is. You can't change it. He's a God who comes alongside his people. He doesn't hang out as a king in an ivory palace and say, just let them be. No, he enters into us. He zipped himself up in human flesh in Jesus, the fullness of God coming with us. And now he sends his spirit to to live inside of us. The the beauty of John 14, we don't even have time to get there this morning, but I would encourage you to read it if you want to go deeper. He sends his helper, he sends his counselor, and God lives in us. You want to know how, how he's going to you know, fulfill the words of, of Matthew 28, 20? And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. End of the age in the book of Matthew refers to the judgment. Uh, when, when the consummation of all things occurs. Matthew 13 references it. When, when God comes and makes all things new. You know how he's going to be with us till all things are made new? Which, by the way, hasn't happened yet. His spirit. The very spirit that lives in Jesus lives in those who in faith choose to trust in him and he's with you how many of us realize that God is with us maybe you just need to say it this morning maybe you need to say he is with me can we say that all together will you just say with me he is with me do you believe it How about some conviction behind it? Say it again. He is with me. Hold on to that. He is with you. Now, here's the the elephant in the room, and he's probably 3,500 tons. There are times when we don't feel it, do we? We can know it up here. We can know the truth of his word. We can believe, yes, God, you were with Moses. You were with Joshua. You were with David. You were with Elijah. You were with Deborah. You were with Esther. You were with all these people. Uh, Yeah, you came in human flesh, and yeah, you give me your spirit. I know it, but God, I don't feel it. Have you been there? I have, and I will again. And I would submit to you that the very things we do when we can feel him are the same things we do when we can't. And those very things help us feel his presence again. I love the song that we sing from time to time here, Waymaker, because it says that even when I can't feel it, uh, even when I can't hear it, he's still working. He never stops. He never stops working. So, So what are those things? If I could give you some helpful things. I think, and this is what's helped me, if you will continue to speak out loud to God, call it prayer, communicating with him, if you will talk out loud as though he's there because he is, what you will find, and oftentimes it's not that day, sometimes it's not even that week, sometimes it's months, that you speaking out loud to God, recognizing that he is there, somehow that awakens in you that yes, you are here and you start to feel it again. If you think about the benefits we have to living in 2021, like when I used to talk out loud to God in my car, like, people thought I was weird, right? The only reason you should be talking out loud in your car is if you're singing along to the radio or you have a five-ton car phone to your ear. But in our age of Bluetooth technology, like, you can talk out loud to God in your car all the time and people just think you're having a conversation. So just keep speaking out loud to him. I'd encourage you to, 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 to read his word. Because there are times, and this is from personal experience, when the truth of his word is the only thing that pushes back the darkness. 
bearings going out, apparently. Sometimes the truth of his word is the only thing that confronts the darkness. There are times when if your mind is like mine, it can get stuck cycling on things that aren't healthy, that maybe are dark or, or maybe downers. Anybody ever been there? Just you can't keep those thoughts from spinning. And it's the truth of his word that breaks through and pushes back the darkness. Because if we're honest, sometimes the things of life and the hard things of life can, can feel like winter. It's always cloudy. But what do we know even in the midst of January and February? Spring's coming. And the word of God has a way of reminding me that the sun's gonna break through. And it corrects the lies the enemy wants me to believe and it corrects the discouragement that I feel. And as I keep going to his word, I'm gonna tell you, oftentimes it's not the day I read it. Oftentimes it's not the week. Sometimes the seasons are long, but God has a way of when you keep going back to his word, he helps you feel his presence again. And the final help I would give to you is be with other people who love Jesus. And I'm not talking about a large group like this. Let's just be honest, there's encouragement in this space by seeing other people. It's why those of you that are online, you just desperately want to be here again. But there's something more that comes when you're with four or five other people, maybe 10 other people, and you're trying to be like Jesus together. You're honoring, you're pursuing Christ likeness. You are trying to show compassion to the world around you and you're caring for each other. That even when you don't feel him and you just know him, when someone else draws close to you who loves him and knows him, you can feel his presence in the midst of that. If there's anything that I think we can say we've learned for certain in a global pandemic, is that proximity and presence is still king. We need people with us, don't we? And when that person loves Jesus, they can be a tangible expression of his presence to you in a way that maybe you can't feel in the moment. Speak out loud to him. Read and remind yourself of his promises. Allow him to push back that darkness and, and correct the, the bad cycle of thinking and, and be with other people. One of the ways we do that at LCC, uh, Lebanon Christian Church, is by striving to, to get people involved in a life group. We have life groups at every level. Our, our kids right now are in life groups. Even preschool kids have some sort of group experience. Our, our students are in life groups right now. Uh, many of you in this room and in our other worship experiences are a part of life groups. Some of you online are in digital life groups. It's a space where you can be with a smaller group of people and you can work together. If you're not a part of one of those, can I encourage you to do something very simple you can scan the QR code on the chair in front of you, fill out a connection card and someone can get in contact with you or you can go to our website and hit connect at the top. Um, go to adults and if you fill out on the life group section, there's a link and, and just tell us you're interested. And if you're a student and you're interested, you can fill that out too and we'll make sure that it gets to our student ministry. Um, but we need to be connected to other people and that can help us begin to feel again the reality of God's presence with us. God is with us. He is the very best ride or die. He grabs us by the hand and he grabs us by the heart and he takes us and helps us in his mission. So as we wrap up King Jesus 
and we're encouraged and we're refreshed and we're renewed and we're challenged. May we know that we will only do this because he is right there. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for the journey that we have been on the last seven weeks. And Father, you know that ultimately the power from what we've learned will only truly um, be experienced as we live it out each moment. And God, as we face challenges, as we face temptations, as we're dissuaded and discouraged, may we, may we be reminded that you are with us. King Jesus, help us, guide us, lead us. Amen.